the Fantastic Podcast where we believe that through books and banter, all is possible. I'm Steph, aka Ideally Inspired Reviews on Instagram, and I'm joined by... I'm Ava of Kingdom of Mass on Instagram. So finally, it's the moment that you've all been waiting for, maybe, possibly, but we have as well. <laughs> We're finally going to talk about <laughs> Throne of Glass, which means that this episode will be full of spoilers for the entire series. So FYI, if you haven't read it, you'll want to start with the Assassin's Blade because we'll be talking about our reread where we will start with the Assassin's Blade. And then you can join us along in our recap episodes. Absolutely. So our our read-along is going to stretch for most of the summer because Throne of Glass is a very chunky series. Um, we will be dropping a uh, reading schedule shortly, so keep on the lookout. It'll be here probably the same day as this episode launches, so look out for that. Um, before we launch into this reread of Throne of Glass, however, we do want to make sure that we cover our bases um, by doing a quick recap of how we feel about the series before our reread, just kind of as like a time capsule so that we can see whether or not things change now that we're doing another reread. Um, I don't know about you, Steph, but I think this will probably be like my fourth or fifth time like reading the entire series cover to cover. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not to say that I haven't read it quite a bit, but you know, you get older, things change. So maybe my opinions will shift and maybe <laughs> not. We'll just see. Um, so just to start, when did you first read Throne of Glass and how did you like it? So I started the Throne of Glass journey. Uh, it wasn't right <laughs> when the book, the first book released, but it was the first, within like the first few months of publication that I picked up Throne of Glass. Um, and so I have been reading it from the beginning um, so much so that the novellas that are in now the Assassin's Blade book were coming out individually. Like they were uh, mm -hmm. like just little little novellas that you would get like from Amazon. <laughs> like, so I, I remember that, which is why when I do go back and do rereads, like it's so weird to me because the first time around I was reading them like, you know singularly as right. they were coming out so anyway so yeah it was it was uh it was early on and it was very YA but for me at the time when it released I was very much into YA at the time so it it wasn't like off-putting I think if this series had come out right now I'd probably be like oh okay <laughs> but not like <laughs> super into it but anyways what about you um so I was also like approximately an OG stan. I think I was, I got on the bat a little bit later than you did. Um, I started reading them in, I want to say 2013, right before Crown of Midnight came out. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely, like, I definitely enjoyed it. I was a YA at that time. <laughs> she was um, an actual so living, like, breathing YA. <laughs> I was an actual, like, in the flesh, a YA. Um, I was the target demographic. So I definitely like enjoyed it and I for sure like binged it. I like would read it, you know, at night under the covers. Um, but it didn't really spark my Sarah J Mass obsession, I'll say. Like it was always kind of like in the back of my mind. I was like, yeah, that was just such a great book. Um, but 
between Throne of Glass, Crown of Midnight, and then the Assassin's Blade stories, I was kind of like, again, they were they were in the back of my head, and it wasn't that I like completely forgot about them as soon as I finished reading them, but they didn't really have like a, a relevance in my life necessarily. Like I right. wouldn't have called myself a rabid fangirl at that point until Air of Fire came out, and then Air of Fire came out, and like everything changed. Um, <laughs> so yes, I started reading them early, and like always, I've never disliked anything that Sarah's ever written. Um, but it took Air of Fire for me to become, like, a literal, salivating, committed freak of a fangirl, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> um, yeah. the kind who, like, steals books from her library. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I will say that, you do. I mean, for me, definitely with, with Crown of Midnight, I was like, oh, shit, like, this is, this is going to be a legit series to pay attention to mm-hmm. where like I feel like with all all series and debut because obviously at that point Sarah was a debut author um so she didn't have a backlist to kind of go back to to see like what her writing was like um so right. I was like oh this is nice you know the first book because uh, especially at that time it was exactly kind of what I was in the mood for reading so it was perfect mm-hmm. but I think with Crown of Midnight especially with that ending I was like, well, yeah. then I suppose I'm on board. Um, right. I mean, and just like you, <laughs> Air of Fire was like what did me in because Rowan. But, and not honestly, not even just Rowan, like the whole cadre, but like I, that book was so good. And it's so weird because I feel like it's a an unpopular opinion to think that Air of Fire is a favorite. If you ask a lot of Throne of Glass fandom folk. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I disagree. Don't... I think that I think Earth Fires usually what I see when I ask people what their favorite throne of glass well, is. Well, I guess it's I at guess least in my experience. Right. I think that uh looking into that a little bit too, I think that for me I'm also talking to like a lot of people that weren't target demographic at the time and mm. either were like at the time I was still teaching um but also right. like these were other librarians and booksellers and things that I commiserated with and th- a lot of them actually could not th- I mean they were just like okay whatever it was just like a means to getting mm-hmm. to the next book so a lot of them a lot of them had a hard time actually with Air of Fire not necessarily Aelin's portion but the witches stuff like they found it to right. be a like not full like boring it was just kind of like what is like what is this because that was our first introduction to right Manon and all them so um like our first deep dive with baba yellow legs and stuff so right um so yeah so i think that a lot of like like i guess us grown folk <laughs> at the time the oldies like, yeah the oldies yes like we were like i, I was into air fire but i know that a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of other people within my age group and a little bit older didn't really care for air fire they liked the rest of them though so but that's interesting mm-hmm. like i i do wonder though if it's like an age thing or if it's you know like again yeah. demographic wise like if for some people who didn't like it, that maybe these were also mm-hmm. the gatekeeper people too, you know? Um, yeah, but maybe. we'll get into that eventually. But anyways. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Um, okay, moving on. Um, this is kind of like a ridiculous question, but I feel like I have to ask it because I have opinions. <laughs> um, 
how do you feel about the Throne of Glass covers? And do you have a favorite or least favorite edition? So I have a love-hate relationship with these characters, or characters, wow, with the <laughs> Freudian slip, <laughs> with these covers. Um, I'm not, I am, I am not a fan of them. Um, okay. I, of course, also was not a fan of the cheerleader cover, as Sarah calls it. Uh, which was the very first. Uh, <laughs> is that what she calls it? Oh yeah, she calls it the cheerleader. Oh, she calls it the God. cheerleader cover, um, which of course is like now really rare and highly sought right. after. Um, uh, <laughs> and in case anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, it's the very first uh, edition cover, which had like an actual like model, like a human being on it, um, as opposed to the illustrated. Now I like. Yeah. Like if if I'm removing like the title from this from these books, I do like the artwork, but mm-hmm. I am someone who doesn't tip it like I am more like a font heavy person. Like I love same typography on, on, on books and stuff. I would rather have like a dynamic title on it and like just yeah. background shit than <laughs> like have either people or drawings of people on a cover. So I have a hard time with it, but I will say that if I were to talk about which ones I prefer, I like the UK edition ones because they're white. Like they have the stark yeah. background and then the the title and everything pops a little bit better because it, that's where the color comes in. So that's that's I like I mean they've spent so much time recovering the Akatar series. I'm waiting for them to recover the Throne of Glass series because Right. Maybe for the tenth anniversary. Maybe. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> what about you? Yeah, so I cannot stand any of the US <laughs> okay, good. covers. Good, good, good. I'm glad I'm we're sorry. on the same page and here. And <laughs> I say this like with a lot of love because I actually so the artist who did those was Talexi Art. I think that's their handle on Instagram. And I've seen a lot of other book covers that they've done and I have really really liked those book covers. Um I just don't vibe with these. I think that Selena kind of looks like a zombie. Like yes. I get that it was like an artistic <laughs> choice to do to make her very like gray toned. Um it's just not what I would have like, would I have personally picked a very pale, gray-toned color palette for a character who's described as having, like, insanely golden hair and, like, stark turquoise eyes? No. <laughs> That's not what I would have done personally, but I'm not an artiste, so who's who knows? Maybe, maybe my opinion is nonsense. I will say <laughs> that, um, again, like, the UK covers, I appreciate the white, I fucking hate that Tower of Dawn is blue. Um, <laughs> like a like but blue, you know what blue though? But in you that know box what? set, I know, but but it makes sense because it there. No, it makes sense, but I still don't I like mean, it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like you can, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I understand all of like the artistic decisions made there. It's production just that wise, I don't you get like it. Looking at it, right? Um. That being said, this is not like a Throne of Glass cover hate fest because I think that Bloomsbury knocked it out of the McFreaking Park when they came in with the collector's editions that released in, Mm. I want to say that was like 2018 or 2019. Mm -hmm. I think that, so I have both the UK and the US editions, Mm -hmm. and I think that that cover is 
gorgeous. Like you said, it is very font heavy, but it also has like her dagger or her sword, I'm sorry, um, and the motif of like the stag. And I feel like those two symbols were like just all you needed. Like they give it Game of Thrones, like Lord of the Rings vibes. They just kind of like up the level. Um, well, and and also and I guess I it, it it's it's worth noting as well. In addition to kind of what we were talking a little bit like demographic and all that stuff, if you think about when the book was first, the series first released, what the market looked like, what what bookshelves looked like at right. that time, like in the in the bookstore, what the bookseller was putting on, uh, you know, display, these were very much in line with what was totally like on trend just like they had the whole like girl in a dress trend which i'm glad stopped Mm -hmm. because that was a lot like it was hard to differentiate between whose book was whose at you know any given time but but i can understand that but which is also the reason why fun fact marketing why uh marketing wise Mm -hmm. sales wise why a lot of covers change mid-series um, because they're also taking that into consideration um, right. because they're bringing in new readers, not to say that they're shitting all over like current readers, but like they're trying mm-hmm. to bring in new readers, but also like to uh, court the booksellers to display right. these books in like, you know, more visible parts of their bookstore. For sure. So Merchandising I, is huge. Yes. And I think, but I, at the same time, like I do think I, I feel like, the illustration direction that they went in with the, the Throne of Glass series um, as they were coming out was very middle gradey to me. Yeah. It just didn't feel like an aging, like a mature no. YA series. Because, like, whereas, like, for example, the Boy Wizard series, like, that, like, those covers were definitely middle grade, but, like... Um, and even as they became like more mature as they as they came out mm-hmm. later, like they were still in that same middle grade vein. So I feel like it's the same thing with the Throne of Glass series. Like it's kind of the same like like they just right. never changed it because I can't look at any of these covers and be like, oh, I can see the age progression. Yeah. I, I yes. can't with these series. No. So it's. It's a gripe. Yeah, it's that why I have, I have a anyways. lot of dust jackets for kind of glass. I know. I mean, I'm if sorry. anybody wants to know about some fun alternative uh, dust jackets, mm-hmm. uh, Ava and I have the Nerdy Ink yes. editions, which are gorgeous. Um, are those are favorite. very font heavy. Um, also, the um, Juniper Books, they have a whole like box set edition that the spines combined mm-hmm. make the whole like stag, uh, what is it, emblem. Um, yeah. With the crown and it's gorgeous. I I love Juniper books for many reasons, but especially because <laughs> I was able to cover up all of my old throne of glass covers. Yeah. <laughs> with it. So um oh. so anyways, but yeah. Okay. Sorry. We could literally no, spend an fine. entire episode talking about covers we hate and love. We so. could. We um. could. Oh man, don't even get me started on the Akatar covers. We can't we can't go there today. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> okay. All right. We're gonna ask a very easy question. In fact, I'm actually gonna ask the question and I'm going to answer on Steph's behalf and then we're gonna move on so that this question will be like this episode will be under an hour. Uh, I'm kidding, Steph. You can answer, but who is your favorite Throne of Glass character? 
Go ahead, Ava. Okay. In case anyone has just not been paying attention <laughs> if you're new um, here. for the past few episodes, <laughs> Steph's favorite character is unabashedly, forever and always, Mr. Rowan Whitethorn. Absolutely. Um, she <laughs> is definitely obsessed with him. Yeah. Um, with a, it's an obsession that I admire, admire truly. Like as as y'all as know that someone who Ava is obsessed with Tarquin. That is the level of right, obsession right. with me and Rowan. Yep. Straight up. Um. For anyone out there studying for our, our your SATs, um, I am to Tarquin as Steph is to Rowan. So yeah, there you and go. And a fun fact for those who didn't know, um, Rowan's character, which I actually didn't know this until after I fell in love with him um, forever, <laughs> uh, was based on Legolas from The Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings. So... It, is, it comes as no shock that I was wholly obsessed with his character because I am obsessed with Lord of the Rings, Legolas. Um, yes. Yeah, wholeheartedly. But it was funny because after Sarah said that, I was like, oh, I can totally see that beyond just like the white hair and all right. of that. Like just the mannerisms and, and his personality is very much Legolas um, mm-hmm. from the movies too. But and but for again, fun fact about Sarah, if people didn't know this, and I think I'll have a picture that that uh, Ava can link to. But uh, Mm -hmm. she like when she wrote the Throne of Glass series, she was in her teens when she started writing these books. Um, But she also had an unhealthy and still, I think, an unhealthy obsession with Legolas. (laughs) And she actually has a cutout that has survived oh, I like was hoping you would tell this story 20 something years and when sarah and i had we had a like early in our friendship i think this is when we both realized that we would be friends forever um we had a lord of the rings party but it was like literally like a party of two and josh was invited and he was <laughs> judging us the whole time um but <laughs> um but yeah she brought out all of her lord of the rings like cut out stand-up things and um like you there are actual like old lip gloss stains <laughs> from when Sarah oh, used to like kiss on God. her Legolas cutout. So like again, if I had a Rowan cutout, that would also be the situation. I would like literally own it for yeah. twenty plus years. He would make <laughs> it to every apartment or house that I owned. Um and that's yeah. So it's yeah, it's very unhealthy. It's a very unhealthy obsession. And I'm No, I think it's like fine. I like I literally would not care if the rest of the the cast died if Rowan was still oh alive. Like it's it's a problem. Oh Anyways, that's how I feel about I mean, what what more is there for me to say, honestly? Um how can I possibly top that? Uh, well, if we when we talk about um, Tarquin, she will. Um don't worry. That's true. It's true. <laughs> Buckle up, kids. Literally <laughs> hold on to your butts. You do not know what's coming. Um, okay. So my throne of favorite Throne of Glass character, I definitely oscillate between Aelin, Alid, and Sartak. Um, I... Well, yeah. but I guess if you're thinking about it... I love a good bird it's, prince. It's so funny because I think that it goes, like, chronologically. Like, how you're... Like, was when Alid was mm-hmm. introduced. So And even no, technically sure. Aelin uh, was introduced because spoiler alert no it definitely um, developed like it was yeah. literally a like okay so we had Aelin for like the first like three books three or four I would say and then four and five were a lead and then um 
six was definitely Sartak. Of and course. then I feel like Kingdom of Ash just like skipped around to so many different characters all no, the time that I growing. couldn't have like pinpointed a uh, favorite character and for myself. Steph, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I am talking about me. She's like muttering I in the inserting. background. She's like Gabriel. And I'm like, okay, it's not who we're talking about right now. Oh my God. Literally, when you give a mouse a cookie, literally, like, girl takes it and runs. I didn't even bring up Gabriel. Okay. Okay. I'm well, going to ask I the next say, here's question. The thing. Since, you, since you gave three, I will say before, before... Rowan was introduced in book three. My favorite character yes. was Dorian. That's a good choice. I respect that choice. Thank you. As you should. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to answer the next question first because I have opinions and it's okay. also kind of like mimics. It mimics the same, the same pattern, I would say for me. I have a pattern. You'll notice it quite evidently. Um, who is our favorite Throne of Glass? Or I guess I should say, what is our favorite Throne of Glass ship? Um, so basically, mine shifted as I read the books, if you can believe it. Um, so I was a diehard Dorian Selena stan. Even like halfway through Air of Fire, I was like, there's going to be a way for them to like patch this up. Like, surely... Surely, even though the sink the the ship like sank hardcore, <laughs> especially in Crown of Midnight, like Sarah fucking shot it full of holes. Um, they'd both like been with other people, but I was still like, no, there's there's a chance. Um, which fun fact, I'm pretty sure that Dorian and Aelin were Endgame in the original Queen of Glass that she published on Fiction Press. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. Um, anyway, that I have no that. idea about. But um, <laughs> that was like a rumor that I heard for a while. So anyway, I was a very big, like huge Dorian Aelin stan. And then the latter half of Air of Fire and Queen of Shadows just like really put me in the Roe Aelin box. And so that was my favorite. Um, but then in Empire of Storms, I have to say it became a Lorcan. I love them so much. I love I love Grumpy Boy with like short, enthusiastic girl who takes no shit from him i like that is like my favorite trope ever and i think that a lorkin crushed it so yeah they're my favorite as of like the end of the series how about you steph i have a guess well (laughs) in books one and two um i was definitely a doralin or what is it uh it wasn't doralina saloran uh because technically she was selena for the first two books um, I was always on board with Dorian and uh, Selena, and I was mm-hmm. okay when she, you know, paired off with Kale for a hot second. But yeah. at the end of Crown of Midnight, and Stephanie's gonna get real mad. Um, <laughs> I was completely like, Kale needs to die forever. Um, I will never forget how he treated her at the end of Crown of Midnight when he realized her true identity and um, he pretty much was just like, not even necessarily scared of her, but he just like legit shunned Mm -hmm. the shit out of her. Like she clearly was going through a crisis and he was just like, yeah, bye. 
um the crisis that he caused too like no offense to kale stands and like Like, i girl still enjoy kale's character but like let's be clear he did fuck up and crown midnight like straight up and the thing is is like did he redeem himself yes what i would never compare kale's character to like let's say like tamla how tamla like shit the bed royally even (laughs) though i still think that tamlin has like in my opinion i feel like he's had his redemption but again different different episode for a different day but i think um with the way that kale behaved at the end of crown of midnight i was literally like i don't even fucking care who she ends up with at this point as long as it is not kale and i remember when era Mm -hmm. fire came out and when twitter was a fun safe place uh for book people um when like the biggest debate struggle fandom struggle that we were having was of course people people who were still on board with kale and selena um or kale and aelin and then of course the rest of us that were like anti-kale and then Mm -hmm. when rowan when rowan popped up i actually was not immediately on rowan team like yeah. i i was just like i was if they would have ended up as friends for the rest of it i would have been okay with it um just because Same. i loved how things kicked off with them like of course they had the chemistry but at the same time there was still a very a mutual respect and a uh camaraderie with them that is hard to fake when you're writing characters mm-hmm. so i loved them so of course when it came to queen of shadows when sarah was still active on twitter I remember she had announced that like whoever Aelin is with at the end of, of Queen of Shadows is endgame for her. So, of course, that was like the biggest controversy. That was the. Oh, boy. That was the uh, what? Uh, uh, Azrael Lane, Gwen Elaine or Gwen. Oh, Gwen Elaine. I'm uh, okay with that. I'm sorry. Don't um, trigger me. Sorry. But like that was like th- of that time. That was the drama right. of the fandom. And I was 100% on board. Like, that whole scene with when Rowan came, like, when they are reunited in Queen of Shadows, like, I cried real tears. Um, I was here for it. So, anyways, that was a long-winded way of me saying that Rowan is my favorite, obviously. Um, (laughs) I was actually... I am shocked. I was really very much on board with Alid and Manon which never happened. Oh, same. On the page, at least. That's like um, my favorite crack ship, I guess. Yes. I, I was I was fully on board with it. But at the same time, I do really love Dorian and Manon. So that was like a nice alternative to Dorian and Aelin. Um, I'm here and I, and I appreciate that relationship far more than I did even Selena and Dorian. So that's those are my... Hmm. Those are my favorite. Like, it's actually a really, like, close, close, close mm-hmm. um, second. I mean, I do I do love a Lorcan as well because Lorcan. And I love whoever Fenris is going to end up with because we still need his story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just manifesting that. Like, I'm putting that into the universe. Um, but, yeah, those are those are my favorite. Sorry. Next question. Interesting. <laughs> That's probably going to be the same. Me gushing about Rowan. okay so we already talked about this so we'll just like i mean our favorite throne of glass book is air of fire like we don't even need to go into discussion on that one we've basically already talked about it especially when that episode pops up we're gonna be talking about it yeah exactly (laughs) oh my god i'm so excited i'm so excited to reread that book oh can't wait okay 
Next question. Which death hit us the hardest mm. in the series? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go first? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, mine is probably... Mine, the... <laughs> we already know. I'm sorry. I just have to laugh. I just yeah. have to laugh. Uh, this is going to probably take a lot of people by surprise because it honestly took me a minute to remember it. And I was like, oh shit, no, yeah, that fucked me up. That really fucked me up. And that is the death of Marion Locken, a Leeds mom, oh. which we kind of see through mm-hmm. flashbacks in Air of Fire. Oh, that but was I remember rough. just like the, that was so rough and the way that sarah crafted that scene like i will forever be in awe where you're flashing back between aelin who's having all these memories like pour out of her because the valgar like you know influencing her to essentially relive them and like literally taking her to the darkest most horrible night of her entire life and i just like remember marion Locken, who and we eventually got like more of her you know story kind of through a lead but like this this laundress seamstress who became um evelyn's friend because um evelyn spilled like you know tea or ink or something on her husband's favorite shirt and she uh, um she asked marion to help her get it out and so you have this like female friendship that's going back like several generations and this woman who recognizes that her best friends are now dead And she has to decide between, like, going and, like, rushing and finding her own daughter and saving the one person who might have a fighting chance at, like, saving, you know, her own daughter, but also the entire kingdom. And, like, that scene just fucks me up. The incalculable sacrifice of it and what it means for Aelin and how she kind of takes it and essentially claims her birthright remembering that sacrifice. Ugh! my heart like not even I I mean you know the 13 was tragic but like something about that scene in Air of Fire fucks me up way more than the 13 did yeah I mean that was really the 13th was the 13 was really rough but to be perfectly honest I was not surprised I mean I I, to be perfectly fair like (laughs) I mean when you have a book filled with wars all over the place i mean it's only natural to have casualties especially character casualties so i didn't think that all of them would perish but i did think that some of them would for sure um but so yeah no that didn't it didn't hit me as hard as some of the other ones but yeah I, i agree with you on that one that was a really like, that whole flashback was just tragic, like, just sad. Yeah. Um, but again, for those who uh, know me and have been following me for a long time, Gabriel's death was the one that <laughs> hit me the hardest forever and ever. And I still, like, angrily <laughs> mention it in conversation with Sarah every now and again. And she just cackles like it is the funniest fucking thing. Oh, and it God. is not funny. <laughs> Like, it's not fucking funny at all. Um, I think that, honestly, it wasn't even the fact, just the fact that he died. Um, I think that for me, what was so gut-wrenching was that Adian was so awful to him throughout most of the book that then 
he ended up dying before they really had an opportunity to yeah. make a like a real amends and um so that was really sad in my opinion of course did he die like a warrior's death sure but like i just oh, it made me so <laughs> mad like yeah. i'm still obviously it's still years later and i'm still real mad about it so um, so no, it clearly hit me the hardest, but anyways, I know that Nehemiah, <laughs> Nehemiah's death also, I remember it cause that was in Throne of Glass, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't in Crown of Midnight. Crown of Midnight. It was in Crown of Midnight. But I remember when she died, it, like, I think that because it was addressed in later books to understand that it was a, not necessarily a necessary death, but that her death wasn't in vain, but that she knew she was going to die and she knew that it was... Uh, I'm yeah. trying not to say necessary, but you know what I mean? Like that it, it, that it was necessary, like I guess. something for... she walked into knowingly. Right, exactly. So it wasn't like, like wasn't something unaware. that she, like that she was taken unawares and that her, her mission wasn't complete before, you know, it happened. Like it was part of her mission, you know? Right. I think because of that, it brought a little closure to that. So I think that it, it didn't resonate as like hitting me so hard, if you will. I'm still sad about right. it. Like, I still wish that she didn't have to die. But, um, but yeah. But Same. anyways, anyways. All right. Next question. Sorry. Next question. Who do you think is the most underrated Throne of Glass character? And then vice versa. Who's the most overrated Throne of Glass character? I think Nezrin is a very underrated character. And also yeah. a character that I don't hear a lot of people talking about at all. Yeah. Um, yep, 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 yep. I mean, of course, everybody has their their purpose and 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 all of that. But like, I feel like even before Tower of Dawn, Nezrin's mm-hmm. character was very compelling, very necessary. <laughs> like, yeah, just yeah. I I'm sad that not a lot of people talk about her. It's not to say that people don't talk about her, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about um about Nezrin. Same. Um, and overrated. Hmm. Kale is <laughs> an overrated character. I don't I even s- think so. I feel like mm. he doesn't get talked about quite as much. Really? Yeah. Mm. Just like at least maybe in the circles that I'm in. Yeah, that that could be it. I mean, because the thing is, is that I'm still friends with people who are still upset that kale and elaine didn't end up together so kale uh, and elaine like, or yeah oh my god not elaine, elaine. sorry aelin oh my god okay, okay sorry okay. emphasis on the I'm wrong sorry. syllable uh <laughs> my brain just broke just fucking fell out of my kale head. and aelin my bad um okay. people are still mad about that but well i mean <laughs> yeah Okay. What about you? My turn. So just to avoid, I mean, I was going to say Nezrin too. So just to avoid saying, you know, Nezrin again, um, I think that Lysandra is actually really underrated. Like I see moments where people are like, oh yeah, Lysandra's the best. And then like, she kind of like disappears from the conversations. <laughs> yeah. Um, which like bums me out. Cause I think that she's a total badass. Um, and I love her to death. And then vice versa. I think that the most overrated character is Adian. Um, I think that sometimes the fandom focuses a little, like, a little bit, a lot on the male characters as opposed to the female characters, which 
on the one hand, I totally get because Sarah writes really sexy male characters. But on the other hand, I'm like, I would literally stan like Baba Yellow Legs before I told the world that I was an idiot stan. Like, I'm sorry. He just like fucked himself up so hard for me in Kingdom of Ash and like. Yeah, if you even uh, we should have asked like this question of before of Kingdom of Ash. And after Kingdom of of, of Mass, wow, Kingdom of Ash, like you keep saying that it's I know. cracking me up. <laughs> I know, this is your fault, um, literally. Uh, <laughs> but no, you should ask, like, yes, because I will say that I really did like his character before Empire of Storms, technically, because I feel like yeah, he started same. acting kind of like bratty in Empire of Storms. No, I to- that's exactly what I agree. I think that Era Fire, he was still like enough of a side character that I was like I'm not paying that much attention to you and then we got his like bromance with Rowan in Queen of Shadows and I was like oh my god okay all right I'm here for it like you're okay but yeah Empire of Storms he was just like Aelin you can't do that I'm like shut up you've done literally nothing the entire time you've been on the page dude like what have you brought to the table I remember that whole scene after um Lysandra was the 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 water beast the yeah, yeah yeah that um, and he's like, oh, I'm going to marry you one day. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, like, go fuck yourself, sir. Yeah. Literally, yeah. you have done nothing in this moment beyond just be a brat. And yep. <laughs> this is the for one of the first I'm things sorry. you want to say to her after she's like, she basically practically killed herself in the water. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Like, I know that I'm pretty sure they are endgame. Like, I'm pretty sure they did end up together. But I will, I have to admit, I could have lived without the Adi and Lysandra relationship in those books. Like, I just don't think it was very necessary. Um, I would have been okay with it if it it was just, like, a passing fancy. But, like, I don't, I was not invested in their relationship in the sense of because... I genuinely cared for Lysandra's character and I would have Same. rather her be with somebody else. Same. <laughs> General. Um, no, I literally think that like, again, Baba Yellowlegs would be a better alternative to Adian, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, okay. Mo- moving on. Um, actually, incidentally to who's our most hated throne of glass character. R.I.P. <laughs> Um, Adian, although mine's actually not Adian, it's someone else. <laughs> Steph, you go. Um, Dorian's dad. Oh, yeah, he's a bitch. Yeah. I mean, I... Because remember there was, like, that one moment, I think it was in Queen of Shadows, where they were debating whether or not he was, like, just heavily influenced by... Right. The vow, like so, or yeah, yeah, or the collar. No, it was the ring. He had the ring. Collar was Dorian. Um, Oh yeah, and and they were just kind of like, well, is he? And I'm like, no, he was just an ass. Yeah, he was just an ass. I I just no, no fucking thank you. Between that and also um, Manon's, um, oh my gosh, was it her grandmother? Her her aunt? Was it her mom? It wasn't her mom. Yeah, her grandma. Her grandma. Who, like, fucked up Astrin's life. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was also a terrible uh, Incidentally. Yeah. That's mine. That's my oh, most well. hated Throne of Glass character. Okay, then I take mine back matron. and Ava's gonna say she it. She can fucking choke. <laughs> I hate that bitch. 
Like, literally throw her off the clock tower. I don't even care. God, every time she'd walk onto the page, I'd just be like, oh my god. Like, I'd roll my eyes a little bit. And I'd, like, count out the pages to when that chapter would end and, like, when it would be over. Like, when I would never have to see her again. That's what I <laughs> used to do. That's going to be me with Aiden in um, our reread. It's going to be great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I fucking cannot stand the matron. She's just, like, evil for, for, for funsies. Like, at least Maeve kind of had some motivation there. I was like, all right. Like, I sort of get it. But the, ba- the matron was just like, no, I just be let's be the worst oh god yeah she was terrible for no f- and then the thing is is like what made me mo- i think more mad about her was that within like the coven of witches you think that this is like mm-hmm. such a female centric you know right feminist you'd think they'd all be like, no pals. but that was no. just like horrid and then of course like mm-hmm. you know and then astron dying also that was like a very close second on like deaths that were that hit me hard because this is of course after we get our backstory and finding out all Mm -hmm. this tragic shit. But yeah, no, I mean, that's what makes me more mad is because at least Dorian's dad, like he was just power hungry and I don't think that it had anything to do with like feminism or, you know, whatever or lack of feminism. Like, I think that it was just generally him just wanting to be power hungry. And I think that a lot of like, those terrible qualities that he had were um, amplified with the ring. So anyways, but meanwhile, there was no influence with the matron whatsoever when she, (laughs) other than she just, she was just crusty. Yeah. She's just the worst. (laughs) So anyways, (sighs) Mm -hmm. bitch. Anyway, I, (laughs) Okay. What is our most unpopular throne of glass opinion? Unpopular. Hmm. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, you go first because it's hard. (laughs) Like I'm trying to think. Um, I'm like, I don't think I am. My opinion is that Tower of Dawn is one of the best books in the series, and the people who skip it are buffoons. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna say it. I loved that book um there's the moment where kale starts to like really dive into his healing process and like i know that you know a lot of people don't like kale and that's you know that's your prerogative um but it felt to me almost like a parallel to aelin's moment in air of fire where she is kind of like revisiting those memories and those feelings and you know kind of again like literally like going into her darkest place and i feel like that was an area where he finally like reached and it was something that I related to a lot um she like Sarah just like wrote that way wrote that scene in a way that had me actually probably more emotional than many of the other very emotional scenes like I remember crying over that one and I am a pretty rare crier um but like I cried. Um, I loved the the newness of um, the city that they were in, the name of which I'm like, of course, fucking blanking on because I just well, we'll remember keep in, in the my head. Um, yeah, we will. <laughs> um, 
but just and like the you know you know again the difference between like the relationship between you know Manon and the other like witches like the evil witches and then Irene and all of her healer friends like that was always such a positive like even they didn't all like each other but they were all trying to like help people and they were all more or less like good acquaintances and kind of like hyping each other up you also have this royal family whose like dynamic i just loved i love sartak i love caution poor caution mr strikeout guy (laughs) he's doing his best it's okay um like i just found it to be um almost like like it does kind of feel like an intermission in the rest of the series like it doesn't have quite the same vibes um but it is actually like i would say i would argue that like Air of Fire is for sure my favorite, and then Queen of Shadows, and then I would probably say Tower of Dawn is, like, my third favorite from the series, um, which I know is unpopular because a lot of people, like, to this day have not read it, <laughs> which is so crazy That's to so me. That's so crazy. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, oh, God. If it's written, it must be read. I don't understand right. why. Uh, anyways. Like, I could understand if these were, like, interconnected standalones, but it's, like, one giant like story Uh, whatever anyways (laughs) um my unpopular opinion man (laughs) just because i don't pay attention to other people's opinions so it's like really (laughs) exactly you're like i don't know i mean i usually will say something and ava will be like oh that's actually you know people were talking about that that's interesting i'm like oh i had no idea um I feel like it's I feel like it's honestly that you were that attached to Gabriel. I feel like no one paid him any attention except for you. I'm gonna be true. honest with you. True. <laughs> true. I mean I think that the one cadre member that everybody pays attention to was Fenris more than anything else. Yeah. Um yep. Yeah. I mean, I guess my unpopular opinion is that I understand Nahimi's death. I think that that's something that a lot of people mm-hmm. still gripe about. Um, and that's their prerogative. Like, I don't, you know, I feel your feelings. Yeah. Um, but I think that Nehemia's death, it, while like you read it the first time it happens, it's, it hits you, but it's not right. something that I linger on. Um, mm-hmm. but it's still something that gets brought up years right. and almost 10 years later at this point. So I would say that that's my unpopular opinion. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. We're finally wrapping it up. I'm like so... Now I'm like really hyped. Like I'm always hyped to reread Throne of Glass, but now that we're like revisiting the characters, I'm like, oh my God, excluding <laughs> Adian and the Blackbeak Matron. I'm so excited to see everybody again. It's like literally like going to see an old friend. Like that's how it feels when the series has been in our lives for so long. Um, okay. So in an ideal world... Let's say we get the World of Throne of Glass book, RIP. (laughs) Um, What do we most want to see a follow-up of? It could be a character, a ship, like a country, a political situation, whatever. But like if you could have closure or like a bonus story about something, what would it be? Fenris and what what the fuck, what the fuck's happening with him? Um, Our sweet little moonbeam. Um, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I, I know this is, this should also be an unpopular opinion of mine. Um, 
I know that a lot of people really want to see like Aelin and Rowan having kids, but I am one of those people that I don't feel like every HEA has to involve kids or even There's marriage. There's literally does involve kids though. Huh? <laughs> There's, it does involve kids. Though. No, but I don't think that it involves like that, like the, that their happiness hinges on whether or not they have children. So, right. Well, I definitely no. Like their I kingdom, that, honestly, their bloodline makes sense that it needs to happen. But like I, in the grand scheme of things, I don't like that's not something that I'm like, like if I could only get one, one thing, beyond Kingdom of Ash, like right. one thing, it would be of course Fenris. Like I need to know mm-hmm. what's going on with Fenris. Uh, and you know what? If we can also throw in Dorian and Manon, I would not be mad about it. Um, but aside from that, like, if we never get them having kids, like, on paper. Yeah. I'm right. not going to be heartbroken. Like, would it be nice, though, to see, like, Dorian as a Dilf? Or not Dor- Well, yes, Dorian as a Dilf. <laughs> but uh, Rowan as a Dilf? Oh Absolutely. I would be okay with that. But... Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to burn my one possible future glimpse on their <laughs> kids when I don't yeah. know who Fenris is going to end up with, <laughs> or even if he's happy All alone. Right, I enough. need to know. I need to know what's going on with him. Um, yeah. So, anyways, no, that's valid. Um, I think that the thing that I want to see is um, I want to return to Dorinel. And see how that country is, like, doing. Because Mm. they lived for, like, thousands of years with Maeve Mm -hmm. as their queen. And you know that she fucked some shit up. And so I would be so curious to see, like, have their, like, has their classist, elitist bullshit shifted now that, not, not Ramel. Why did I say Ramel? But whatever, like, Rowan's young cousin, like, it passes to her and so I want to see how she's handling it because that's literally like, that was like an out of the blue, like a what the fuck moment. Um, <laughs> and also I just kind of wanted to always spend more time in Dornell and like see more of the Fae. One of my favorite things was the bonus story that was in one of the Empire of Storms editions that takes place during Air of Fire where like Rowan's ex-girlfriend comes to Mistward with a bunch of other people. And what the fuck story was- is this? Wait, what the? You haven't heard? I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a link after. But what? No, um, what sure edition was it. it? Do you remember? I just I don't. It remember. was in one of the Empire of Storms editions, potentially. Oh, the Empire Target? of Storms. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Kingdom of of, um, of Ash, because I. No. Okay, I'll have to look. Cause I feel like I have multiple editions of that. I just yeah. don't. I had to. Maybe I never. I read had it. to hunt okay. mine down. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's for sure. It's at least floating around online. Everybody, like seriously, I mean. You can just Google, like, Empire of Storm short story, and they'll pop up. Like, they're everywhere. Yeah. No worries. Um, but there is a, yeah, one of the stories that occurs is, you know, this, like, sort of, like, uh, it's a fey group of people. They're just traveling through Mistward. And um, they're all assholes, <laughs> except for one of them who actually pops up in Kingdom of Ash. And I can't remember her name now again, but that's, her, she's Lorcan's ex. Um, so basically it's just like this trio of ex-girlfriends. Rowan is mortified. Aelin is loving every second of it. Um, (laughs) it is, and it was just like a fun glimpse into sort of like what they were like. And they remind me very much of like the Akatar courts. Cause I think that again, there's more of a historical fantasy vibe with Throne of Glass. Like, especially I kind of picture 
the the Fae and Akatar to be very much more like like modern royalty. I mean, we just have like moments where like Fae is wearing you know like leggings and a sweater and like doing shopping downtown essentially. And I never really got those vibes with Throne of Glass. Um, but these like this short story and this particular group of Fae makes me feel like they would very easily fit into like the the Akatar universe. Um, so mm-hmm. if you're into that like political tension vibe then 10 out of 10 recommend checking out that short story um but yeah i want to i want more doranelle always always and forever please <laughs> i know well i mean anything pertaining to rowan is still you know yeah exactly any ties to rowan the i'm here for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so well we now are that we know i'm so excited yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, so and I also, gonna... I should also, I wanted to, to quickly say, like, because we were talking about the, obviously you brought up the world of Throne of Glass. I don't think that the world of Throne of Glass is never happening, by the way. I know that it's a, like, a commonly asked question, especially like when I'm um, doing Mastergrams with Sarah, like, that comes up multiple yeah. times. And I know that in my last one that I did with her, I had specifically said, like, hey, y'all, like, don't ask about it not because i'm trying to like censor anybody from it it's just that it's a publisher thing i think that the publisher right. done fucked up by like saying it was gonna be released right when it wasn't because i i'm no, pretty sure that I, when they they announced it sarah was still pregnant uh with taryn yeah and hadn't even written kingdom of, of ash yet and <laughs> there was like so many other like things that were going on um Mm-hmm. that I I don't I think that like just they shot themselves in the foot by putting that out into the universe so soon right. and now of course everybody wants it because it's been mentioned um, but right. I feel like somebody had mentioned that like if you look online that Bloomsbury put that it's coming out in 2099 or something like yeah, that yeah it's literally uh, coming out in 2099 <laughs> yeah so quote, I, I but at least they didn't like completely remove it yeah. from their website it's just i i don't think that right. it's just never gonna happen i just think that it's not on the forefront of their publishing schedule right now um yes so anyway. which uh, yeah my my rip was just because like there was at, at one point like a it's gonna come out approximately two years after kingdom of ash comes out right that's all I mean. <laughs> like there was like a very 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 tentative release date so like just rip that release date but i also believe that at some point We'll get it, but yeah, because I mean, Sarah's Sarah has also <laughs> said, like, you know, she's she said publicly multiple times that she still thinks about those characters often, yeah. um, which I think is a really great sign for us wanting more Throne of Glass stuff. That right. you know, maybe instead of like, maybe it might be like how Assassin's Blade was, where. Like mm-hmm. those novellas came out individually and then Bloomsbury compiled them into the one book after they had all released. Like, I wonder if maybe they might do it that way with the world of Throne of Glass with like just like the stories that were supposed to be a part of it. Because I know that it wasn't just yeah. going to be like additional stories. It was also going to be kind of like an encyclopedia of right the world and stuff um so maybe we might just get like novella like you know what i mean like little stories and then yeah. it'll just no, no, eventually no, be sure. the book so listen a girl can all dream. hope isn't I'm lost for it. <laughs> yeah no. trust me i will do everything that i can for the fandom to make sure that this happens whether this means 
being like, you know, protesting at the gates of Bloomsbury. Protesting. <laughs> Moving to the UK and doing it over there as well. Um, I will do my my service to the fandom <laughs> to make sure that this happens because I want it to. So anyways, yeah. sorry. Anyway. No, we just, we love Throne of Glass in this house. We're really excited to read it. Um, so we're announcing this reread on um, Friday the 11th publicly. Um, we will start our Throne of Glass, or our Assassin's Blade recla- recap will be posted on June 28th for our Patreon members and July, I'm sorry, I lied. It will be posted on June 21st for our Patreon members and July 20- or June 25th good lord um publicly so that's an fyi um keep an eye out for that if you wanted to join and obviously you guys don't have to follow our schedule right if you want to reread at your own pace whether it's faster than us uh which hey more power to you um that's fine or if it's slower again more power to you uh we will have the episodes that you can always come back to at any time. So even if you want to do your reread six months from now, guess what? Yep. We'll still be around Absolutely. for you. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. We'll always be here. Yes. Fandomtastic has your back. Word. Okay. Right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And make sure, as always, that you're following us on Instagram at Mastastic. Check out our website at Mastastic.com, as well as our um shop at phantomtastic.com we also started a new instagram page for our shop as well which is ideally.phantomtastic uh where we will be updating everybody and we have some really exciting sarah j mass licensing stuff that will be dropping very soon um so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time so anyways but make sure that you're following us everywhere that you can subscribe leave us a review a rating if if you're into us and if you're not yeah. just you know just keep scrolling please um, <laughs> no, just kidding. um but also ava will leave you with our final thought of the day yes thank you guys so much for listening and remember don't let the hard days win thanks guys later. see ya bye